Hey everybody, welcome back to the Aspiration Athletics Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Bernison, and I want to talk about uh, training cycle. Most recently, getting involved in um, my newest and latest cycle of programming. Um, I did not do so hot uh, at my peak last phase. So getting the chance to start anew, look at my program from an analytical view, and somebody who's coaching themselves right now after uh, having experienced being under a coach for weightlifting. It is uh, a very daunting endeavor, right? I mean, you've got so many different variables that are in front of you, and it's hard to coach yourself. I often hear this from many professionals, um, and especially uh, uh, most recently listening to Barbell Life uh, with Travis Travis Mash um, about you know just having issues with coaching um, and, and programming your your own uh, training. And uh, I, I really feel that myself personally, I fall into this category. I, uh, I tend to overthink a lot of the training variables when, when I'm looking at my clients and uh, some of my other teammates that are either just looking towards general fitness or, you know, I've got um, one to two right now that are, you know, learning the Olympic lifts and, and one that's taking it um, a little more serious and um, working as a beginner, but you know, the, the thought of, of training principles seems to apply a little easier for um, someone that isn't yourself, right? I think you can overcomplicate things when you tend to program for yourself. So I think that that's something that I've really challenged myself to work through this, uh, this next phase that I'm in right now, this current phase rather. So Last phase of training, um, if you don't know what I'm talking about when I say phase, I, I, I mean um, phase, phasic structure of training. So having dedicated time blocks, cycles, as we would refer to them, like a mesocycle, um, that encompass the training uh, frequency. So for my last phase, I was uh, doing 12-week mesocycle, and um, over that 12 weeks, working towards a peak, and you know that was that was for the first time for me um, getting involved at my own uh, approach with an intuitive mindset towards training. So having to nitpick uh, components of prioritization for what is going to help me develop as an Olympic weightlifter. Now, why that becomes complicated is because the intermuscular coordination aspect behind skill related fitness is one that can't be rushed or 
um, thought about in the same way that we look at hypertrophy uh, for you know, bodybuilding, right? We've got two different types of adaptations. One that is um, increasing muscle size and the other that is increasing motor unit recruitment uh, and, and contractility of the muscle. So I find that developing these qualities that are type two oriented, so we've got type two A, uh, muscle fibers that are uh, creating this structure behind weightlifting, right? The predominance of type 2 fibers in, in this power-driven sport. So going into my programming uh, for the first time, you know, I was really just driven to try to produce speed, right? Try to really get the bar moving. Um and that was without consideration of technique. And uh, I know that that's like a super simplified principle. Focus on technique and you'll get better. Okay, but the truth of the matter is, if you're not focusing on components of technique that are essential to some of the imbalances or maybe some of the weaknesses you may have in your overall movement, you're not doing yourself a great service uh, aside from just doing more reps in the skill-related exercise that we're trying to improve, which is, which is fine, right? Because we're still outside the realm of general fitness. So reps at 80% with not the best movement quality are going to be overall better than doing nothing, right? Or better than doing unrelated fitness exercises. Like uh, it, it, point blank, if you're a weightlifter and you're, you're in the type of training towards peaking for a competition and you're a month out and you're not doing clean and jerk and snatch in power derivatives of, you're not doing the right things like that's why we have structured training so if you're doing push-ups if you're i don't know um bench pressing good example if you're bench pressing during your peaking phase of your training preparing for a competition you're not doing the right thing so you know working on the weaknesses of the insufficient movement that I was showing in my clean and jerk and snatch um, during this current phase was a huge priority for me. Being able to think about my training in a different light, a different perspective, and one that's going to be overall better for the long-term development of my skill-related efforts. Because what I'm realizing right now is you cannot rush. You cannot rush weightlifting. You know, we, we, can, we can very quickly um, atrophy and, and regress our potential by doing too much in rushing progress. And for somebody who isn't in, you know, a, a country like um, 
Russia or China where the sport academies encourage the production of athletes that are being paid stipends or you know whatever the, the case is the, they're they're treated like a job this is their job i have multiple hats right you know much like you guys out there that are training you've got multiple roles you have to fill weightlifting is something that you love or something that you care about at the least and you do outside of the other roles that you have to fulfill so we have to really be strict about our prioritization in our training. You know, what is going to be the ultimate uh, bang for our buck for the given amount of time that we can dedicate towards training? We already know we're not going to be able to compete against countries that are like China, again, that's able to dedicate their lives towards sport, right? And um, even our Team USA athletes, struggle because our structure of our country isn't oriented around the um, the weightlifting culture, right? It's not as much of an importance of show of strength for our country in weightlifting as it is for track and field and swimming and other Olympic sports. So, um, you know, and especially coming from a very heavy wrestling background, and they can say the same as the, uh, is for USA wrestling that it is for USA weightlifting. So my point being is I had to take a look at my training in a different light. I had to think about movement efficiency, and this is what a good coach does. And this is my path and my journey towards not only being a better weightlifter, but end goal, long-term development, is being the best coach that I can be. And I'm strict about my training, and I try to do the best with the variables that I have and what I can control. Um, being training variables, being nutrition variables, being stress variables. You know, I do the best that I can. And those, these are all holistic to the overall um, psychology, for one, for, of an athlete, right? Because we're learning that psychology plays a huge role in the success of an athlete in competition. And it, it overall plays a role in our health, right? So we've got to not only find training variables and prioritize training variables that not, are, not only are conducive towards our sport development and skill development, but that fit our lifestyles in Western society, right? So for me right now, I've had to really um, balance and, and, and not put too much emphasis on completing everything that's written out on the program exactly as it is, but rather giving myself that room to say, hey, look, I had some unexpected appointment changes with clientele that took the energy right out of me. And I know that a coordinated, loaded movement that's dynamic and ballistic in nature, like a clean and jerk or a snatch, that if I don't have focus and intent behind, I'm going to end up injured or otherwise lacking confidence in my next movement upon a failed lift. I need to be smart enough to eliminate those um, potential decreases in motivation, right? It's the same way we approach diet. 
You know, I've always just heard, don't do it. Just don't do it, right? Opposite of Nike. So the idea behind that is eliminate all of these variables that could potentially be a roadblock. And, and for me right now, I think I'm encompassing at, at least at, at, at a much larger capacity, those variables that weren't a part of my thought process before that I really want to talk about and make the main meat and potatoes of today's discussion about the result of caring about some of these factors. Now, you can make an argument and say, well, look, Devin, you've done, you know, nearly 30 weeks together of dedicated um, training that's that's been completed upon um, a phasic structured program. Sure, sure. You can make an argument and say repetition is part of the development process. Yes. But I've also been intuitive enough and smart enough to take notes upon each bit of my training and know what I'm fixing in between. A lot of it is right. Not just following the program to a T, but again, thinking about these other factors that may not have been, which I know weren't considered in my program to begin with, which was um, nutrition, uh, lowering the risk of gut inflammation. For me, that's something that's very personal because I exhibit a lot of um, inflammatory response to different foods, uh, different drinks. I'm addicted to these um, carbonated drinks. So I've weaned myself off of energy drinks, but I am still drinking like sparkling waters and seltzer waters. Currently have one right now. So I've mitigated a lot of these other lifestyle changes, sleep, my quality of sleep due to caffeine decrease in the parasympathetic response increase, or I'm sorry, sympathetic response increase of being able to have that restorative sleep work in my favor for recovery. And uh, on top of those efforts, I, I've made a point about this earlier, focusing on the movement efficiency of the lift. You know, so often I see this in CrossFit and I understand that, you know, that's the nature of CrossFit's sport in general is to kind of be the jack of all trades of movement, right? And I get that. And to not particularly specialize in, in one um, dimension of that uh, encompassing sport. So weightlifting being one of them. You know, those guys get in there or gals get in there and they just hike the weight up or they focus on having so much anger towards the, the, the weight to just jerk it up or to throw, you know, it, it's, they've got the intent behind moving it, but they do not have the coordination or the skill. And I think what I've realized, again, going back to my point here with movement efficiency is in order for me to get better at these lifts, I cannot just think in a one-dimensional thought process of, I have to be stronger. I've got to be more coordinated. I've got to have better focus. I've got to have better intent behind my lifts. I've got to think about each cueing process and how it affects the overall movement. And I would say throughout the last month of documenting this process, it's really been... Uh, a game changer in, in all of my training and um, constantly making adjustments 
is not something that is typically advised by a lot of different coaches. But I think it should go without saying that when you are only two years into a sport like this and you've only dedicated seriously the last eight months to year of being not just a hobbyist, but, uh, you know, competitive mindset and, and working towards competition that you've got to focus on kind of going back to the drawing board, finding what works, not just building um, a foundation off of, you know, broken patterns that may have existed that weren't corrected from other coaches. Um, you know, I, I've worked with coaches in the past at a virtual capacity and I really enjoyed the experience and I learned a lot, but being able to look at my movements from an analytical view and, and break down each movement of the pulls and doing my due diligence and research um, with all of these different reputable sources, I have uh, uh, Daniel Camargo's uh, Weightlifting Cues and Corrections and Techniques. I've been reading through as well as uh, Quinn Hinnock's uh, books on weightlifting and assessment, getting an idea of how my own limitations in mobility and flexibility respectively have influenced my movement patterns. And accompanying that knowledge with the uh, specific, very detailed, um, descriptive uh, encyclopedia, I would essentially call it a weightlifting that Greg Everett provides in his weightlifting book as well. So being able to really read, um, dive in and deep dive into what other um, coaches are cueing as well as what they're teaching and their philosophy behind training and the progressions and the pitfalls about um, some of the uh, athletes that are pursuing this sport has really opened my eyes into helping me uh, address my coaching needs and also the needs of some of the athletes that I work with. So I'm just really um, excited to share that Last peaking phase, I was disappointed that I could not hit uh, the number that I had uh, worked up to in a training uh, session, and that was 235 pounds, so about 106 kilograms. Um, so being able to work up to that weight and move it not only more efficiently, but being more confident about the lift was a huge advantage. Just coming about, I want to say three or four weeks. Now, three weeks. Being three weeks out of GPP, which was only two weeks long after my peaking phase. Like, I'm just, you guys, I'm ecstatic. It's been six weeks since returning to high volume, or excuse me, high intensity like that. 
and being able to move that kind of weight with, with efficiency along with my snatch, I don't want to discredit my snatch. My snatch too is, is back up to, um, uh, uh, kilogram wise 87. And, uh, I'm just super stoked about that because I'm moving that much better. My, my shoulder stability is becoming, um, much better and uh, I'm just overall improving in my efficiency of movement and in turn it's really developing my confidence and I would say ultimately it's allowing me to overload a lot better right that fatigue isn't setting in quite as much because the um, the proper distribution of load due to the mechanics being emphasized is really allowing me to recover more efficiently. So I'm super stoked. Um, one thing I do want to address before I get off here today, aside from the training principles I've talked about, you know, movement efficiency over lifting more weight being one of them that I just uh, went over there. But the nutrition aspect behind this. I, I don't I have no idea how much I weigh right now. I go based off of how my belt feels and uh, just looking in the mirror in the morning. Um, but I would say after peaking last phase, I was not doing any protein shakes. Well, it's been four weeks now, four and a half, five weeks since I started doing protein shakes again. Again, I am vegan. So I do plant-based protein and I'm actually taking uh, one by Redcon one right now that uh, my buddy Justin was um, really awesome to get gift me for my birthday uh, this past month. So I, uh, I've been taking that and holy cow, I've been noticing a great difference, not only recovery, but, but uh, body composition wise. Um, I mean, proof's in the pudding there. There's enough research behind that. Just figured I would mention it in case you guys need more reason and motivation to push yourself to buy the damn bro uh, protein. <laughs> buy the damn protein, guys. Buy that damn protein, guys, gals. Um, it's worth it. I know I was trying to save money for about a year now. I haven't taken protein shakes. Um, but it's worth it. I mean, I'm back on vitamins again, back on my enzymes again and uh, probiotics, and I just feel so much better. So getting into a regimented uh, supplement program, uh, I don't want to say program, it's not AA. Getting into regimented supplementation is going to be beneficial to you if you know what you need to address, you guys. Like most of the shit I wouldn't take. I wouldn't advise taking. Um, very few things are actually approved in... Uh, studies and research over the last, you know, 50 odd years. And those involve are multivitamins, just a very simple men's multi that's going to address all of your different vitamin needs, A through E, um, as well as giving you a bit of biotin to help with the skin and keep your skin healthy, keep you cognitively um I would say aligned, uh, but to me, I really notice a difference with my anxiety throughout the day by taking that and eating better also. Uh, so a vitamin really helps with the other 
um, uh, steps throughout the day, right? If you start with a positive one, more than likely it's going to domino effect into other areas. So I usually eat better throughout the day when I start with my vitamin, when I start with my probiotic, and then whenever I'm eating a carb-heavy, fat-heavy, or protein-heavy meal, I take a digestive enzyme. So I really have found that all of these things included, guys, gals, uh, have really helped impact my training in my journey of becoming a better Olympic weightlifter and a better competitor, just a better athlete. Um, if you have not had the chance to check out my YouTube series that has just started this month, uh, the Olympable, the journey of better than average, um, it's, it's essentially me documenting my process, my training, my philosophies behind training and overall just the pursuit of becoming better than the average weightlifter. Um, you know, I wasn't genetically gifted. I don't come from a long line of athletes. Matter of fact, I did not grow up in a athletic household. I had to pretty much get into sports on my own. Um, you know, my dad was a pretty big support as far as attending and watching and, and, and being present in my life in, in sport. Um, but in no way did I have models of sport or athlete in my life. So I'm, I'm just really proud to be on this journey and to have the experience I've had in wrestling, in football, and in taking some of my successes in in the last few years with bodybuilding and uh, powerlifting, and now trying Olympic weightlifting, and uh, really trying to be as competitive as I can. Um, you know, I find that this sport requires a lot out of you, and I love the internal drive factor that's involved with this sport. It reminds me a lot of wrestling. And, uh, you know, I really look at this as the last endeavor, the last um, attempt at being competitive in a sport for me. Uh, so I want you to join me. Hopefully you enjoy and gain some insight and just um, overall develop a greater respect for the sport of weightlifting and understand why it's important in the use of performance training. Uh, I've dedicated my life to developing as much as I can as a coach and somebody who can be the gatekeeper of knowledge that can help develop the next generation of uh, professional athletes that not only, you know, own their sport, but own their life. So, I'm going to leave you with that for today, folks. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. I'm so sorry we don't post frequent. Um, I am the only one that is able to get to these uh, as far as recording them right now. So it's been, it's been a hassle doing the best that I can uh, to try to report back to you guys in a timely manner, not getting too far away from uh, being able to uh, talk about weightlifting, talk about sports, talk about performance training, talk about the things that matter to you guys and what I think about often that I look for throughout the day. Bits and pieces of knowledge are going to help me become a better human being, a more knowledgeable coach, and overall um, help provide some better perspective on how we can be more efficient with our lives. Let's look at it that way. 
So I'll leave you with that for today. Thanks, you guys, for tuning in. Please subscribe on YouTube if you can. And if not, don't watch our YouTube anymore. Don't watch our, don't listen to our podcast. We, we, do, we don't want you. I'm just kidding. Tune in whenever you want. Thanks again, guys. Never forget, aspire to inspire. Bye-bye.